You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Inside Purple and Gold. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani, joined today by our good friend, friend of the show, Paul Dettino. He was on before the Christmas Eve episode, previewed the game, talked to us at length about Daniel Jones, said he's he's not someone to, to scoff at. And, uh, you know, Daniel Jones has continued to play good football all year. Um, but Paul, like before we get into this playoff matchup, because there's a lot to talk about anytime a team or teams play each other twice in the same month, um, there's obviously storylines galore. What did you make of that game on Christmas Eve? When, when you think back to that game, uh, what kind of stands out, um, about that game in particular? Well, I think what stands out for me is that I think the Vikings played about as well as they could play. They sacked Daniel Jones three times. They came up with a couple of turnovers. They blocked the punt. They had, uh, you know, between Jefferson and Hawkinson, both go over 100 yards. And still they needed the Giants to self-destruct in order to squeak out the game with a 61-yard field goal. Vikings committed uh, two penalties. Giants were flagged for seven. Giants had a fumbled ball in Vikings territory. Giants dropped two first down completions in the fourth quarter in Vikings territory. We already talked about the block punt that led to a short field and a touchdown. I mean, I, you know, Giants had seven penalties called against them. I think, you know, if you look at that game, Giants probably brought their B minus game. Vikings brought their A game. And we saw how Minnesota was able to squeak it out, literally squeak it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the Giants play their A game and clean up those kinds of things, I honestly don't see any reason why they would not win. Yeah, I think that that's fair. I think Vegas sees it like that. Um, Vikings minus three heading into wildcard weekend. Um, the game will be 3.30 Central Time at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. Paul, how has the week gone for, for the Giants? What what What's the main focus? What's the talking points with, with Brian Dable? Obviously, you mentioned not their best game on Christmas Eve, and they almost got it done. So what are they focusing on this week um, as we kind of look ahead to, to what should be a, a highly competitive playoff game? That's a two-part answer. Uh, the first answer is they gave 99% of their starters a bye week off against the yep. Philadelphia Eagles. Make no mistake about it. The Giants really scratched and clawed and had to crawl to the finish line 
because they've got a number of guys who are nicked up, banged, bruised, not necessarily on the injury report, but guys who are low on fuel. And so the beauty of the Giants being stuck in the sixth seed is that unlike the Vikings and other teams, they weren't going anywhere. They were cemented into the six. So they were allowed to have a second bye week for all of the guys who needed to reset and re-energize. Other teams that were in a position where their seed could go up or down had to worry about playing their guys. Uh, I think this is a tremendous advantage for the Giants going into this wild card game. Psychologically speaking, the starters, not only were they rested and feeling good and re-energized, but they also look back at that Minnesota game and they think about the sloppiness. They think about the fact that Aziz Ojolari and Leonard Williams, two of their dominant players in the front four, left early in the first half of that game and did not play in the second half. Need I remind you, Aziz Ojolari, despite injuries that he's had, when he plays, he almost always has a sack and a forced fumble. And Leonard Williams, before the season, was voted one of the top 100 players in this league by the folks in in NFL Network. So I think you understand what I'm talking about, where the Giants believe they've got some pretty darn good reinforcements coming in. And to be frank, their secondary is also going to be better because they'll have Xavier McKinney, who was not available in Minnesota, and it looks like Adoree Jackson, who is a number one cover corner, is also going to be available for this game. So the defense is probably as strong, in fact, there's a very good chance if, if Jackson does play the whole game and starts, it'll be the first time all year that Wink Martindale has had all of his starters on defense for the mm-hmm. for, for the game. He hasn't had all tw- all 11 at one time yet this season. So there's a tremendous amount of assertiveness, intensity, focus, uh, I think the Giants know where they stand. They just want to go out there and take care of business. For sure. Paul, I want to get back to the secondary in, in a second because I think that's going to obviously be a storyline with what Justin Jefferson, what TJ Hawkinson did to the Giants um, a few weeks ago. Uh, but you mentioned basically a second bye week for the Giants last week. What is your take on on you know some teams choose to rest starters in, in the final week of the regular season. Some teams choose to keep it rolling. In, in your opinion, uh, what is the better way of, of going about it? Is it give guys rest because they need it this late in the season, or is it let's not take the risk of like letting these guys get out of the rhythm? Well, my, my take is simple. It depends on the situation. Now, why do I say that? I would always, if at all possible, give guys that last game off. Yeah. If I could, if I could, but, For example, in 2007, Tom Coughlin wanted to ruin the Patriots' quest for history. They were undefeated. And he wanted to prove a point that my guys can not only play with them, but we're not going to let them have an undefeated season. And he knew that the integrity of the league was at stake. And so he played his guys. He got his starting center, Sean O'Hara, hurt in that game, and a starting corner, Sam Madison, hurt in that game. So it did cost the Giants, and they lost the game. But when they had their rematch against the Patriots in the Super Bowl, they had already proven that they could play and go toe-to-toe with them. And so it galvanized his team in the Super Bowl 
And obviously, they destroyed the Patriots' undefeated season by winning in Arizona to capture Super Bowl 42. So that was a unique circumstance where I thought he was right to play his guys. I think more often than not, the circumstances dictate that you should not play your guys. Nice history lesson with Paul Dottino right there. I, I love the trip down memory lane. Everyone remembers that Super Bowl, obviously. I don't think a lot of people remember that they played in the final week of the regular season. So I appreciate that insight. Um, shows how long you've been around the game doing it. The secondary part. My hairline tells you that. That's true. I, was, <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. You said it. <laughs> uh, the secondary. Uh, getting a, Dar- a Dory Jackson back, getting Xavier McKinney back. Is that enough to mimic what Green Bay did to Justin Jefferson week 17? Because I think a lot of teams are going to try and do that now. Um, you saw Detroit have success in it with it in week three with Jeffrey Okuda and a safety over the top. Uh, I think in week 17, Justin Jefferson held to 15 yards, maybe it was 14. Um, but essentially it's a jam at the line, safety help over the top. Um, and that's been a way to somewhat effectively nullify Justin Jefferson at points this season. Is the secondary with a full complement of players, uh, are they capable of doing that? Or is this something where Justin Jefferson probably is still going to get his? And if you're the Giants, you have to just make sure nobody else does. I will say, first off, I would vote for Justin Jefferson as the MVP of the league. Yeah. Okay, let me just get that out of the way. And Wake Martindale says he is the best receiver in football, and you cannot stop him. You can only hope to contain him. So that's the coach speak and the media speak. Mm-hmm. I will tell you from an X's and O's standpoint, sure, you want to rough him up at the line of scrimmage. Sure, you'd like to have a safety over the top. And now that the Giants appear to be at full strength in the secondary, I think they can contain him, whatever number that means. Does that mean seven catches for 85 yards? I don't know. I don't know what it means, but I, I do think that they can contain him. More importantly, okay. The Vikings offensive line, which has been paper thin all year, now has two guys out. They're down to their third string center, unless you're going to tell me otherwise, and down to their backup right tackle. Now, against a Giants pass rush that over the second half of the season has been one of the top three, I believe, in the National Football League, that does not bode well for Kirk Cousins. We know he does not like pressure. We know he's prone to turnovers. We know that, you know, he's prone to inaccuracies when he gets hit. I think the Giants' best defense is actually their front, which is going to get after that quarterback, which means, as you know, Jefferson had a 25-yard long in the game against the Giants last time. Unless he's going to get yak yardage and escape that way, I don't necessarily expect Cousins to have a lot of time back there to get the ball downfield. Yeah, that's a good point. I think you put it best last time we talked um, before that Christmas Eve game is just cut off the head of the snake and and it, and it doesn't work. And, and and if they get to Kirk Cousins, the Giants, um, he can't throw the ball to Justin Jefferson. Why, why won't they? I'll ask yeah. you. You're out in Minnesota land. Yeah. Why won't this defensive line get to Cousins? They will. And, and, and the thing is, like, you're right, down to their third string center, unless Garrett Bradbury – their starting center is starting to work back in. He was limited in practice the other day. Bad back for how many weeks, though? Exactly. How effective, how effective is he? Are they better off with a healthy third stringer than a bad back starter? That's what Kevin O'Connell and the Vikings are going to have to kind of grapple with this week. But to your point, say Garrett Bradbury does play. He hasn't played in a month and a half. 
or, you know, he hasn't played solidly in a month and a half. You know, he's been tweaked back here and there. And then he got into a minor car accident, which continued to tweak his back. Uh, If he plays, he's going to be rusty. His rustiness is going to transfer to the left guard and the right guard because those three players work in so much in concert together. Right. Um, you, if he's healthy, I think you probably play him just because he's your starter and you, and you hope he can acclimate quickly. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a fair question to ask. Um, is, is the third stringer who's completely healthy and, and been getting reps more effective this week than the starter who hasn't played in a month? So uh, I, I do think the Giants are going to be able to generate pressure. I think Kirk Cousins has been better when, when faced in the, in the face of pressure this year at times. But you've seen him a few times, a handful of times this year, revert back to his, his I, you know, everyone remembers his Washington commander days earlier in his career with the Vikings. If you get an interior pass rush, he folds. So that is what I would be worried about if I was a Vikings fan this week is I think Justin Jefferson's going to win. I think he's going to beat whoever the Giants throw at him. I think TJ Hawkinson's proven to be a, a weapon that is useful in the intermediate routes and, and occasionally at the second level is Kirk cousins going to get them the ball. Um, that remains to be seen. And I think that's where the game is going to be won or lost. He could have been picked off three times in that last game. Yeah. Giants had one go through their hands, had another ball that touched the ground when Flott should have had the interception and allowed it to touch the ground. And then Moreau got caught for draping his arm around the receiver right. on a clean interception, but, but the arm was draped. Sometimes they'll call that. Sometimes they won't. But there could have been three picks in that game. I think Cousins will give him at least two the, the, this this weekend. Yeah, and, and especially if the pressure is dialed up. Um, you, we've seen That's it what Wink Martindale does. Yep, we've seen it before. And uh, Vikings fans certainly hoping you don't see it again. Um, but uh, I, I think if you're a betting man, if you could, if there's an over-under interception line, you might want to take the over with, with considering all the, you know, the pressure he's going to be facing. And, you know, I'm sure Wink Martindale is going to, draw up some schemes to, to get his guys loose. Um, Paul, when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about the game coming up. Obviously, big playoff game. Um, so hard for, for teams to kind of play that chess match, having played you know a month prior, joined today by Paul Dottino. He joined us about a month ago before the Vikings and Giants played on Christmas Eve. He will be on the scene covering the game this weekend when, when the Vikings play in Minneapolis, um, host the Giants in Minneapolis. Um, If you like what you're hearing, give us a follow Inside Purple and Gold or anywhere you get your podcasts, also on the Odyssey app. Um, Paul, we look at this game. I want to ask you a simple question, and it'll be twofold. So I'll I'll ask the question once. You give me your answer. I'll ask you the the second version of the question. You give me your answer. I can follow those directions. Exactly. The Giants win if they blank. If they dominate the line of scrimmage which I think they should be able to do. I've already explained defensively against the Vikings offensive line. It's a mismatch. Uh, on the other side of the ball, a uh, Hunter gave Evan Neal, the Giants right tackle fits in that game. I recall four quarterback hits, two sacks, a strip, seven tackles. Hunter was vintage in that game. Uh, Neal was playing with a nasty sprained knee. Mm-hmm. he's struggled a bit during the second half of the season because of that knee. But I also think he's probably in much better shape to deal with Hunter now than he was then. As far as the rest of the line, I think the rest of the Giants offensive line should be able to hold up. And so, um, yeah, 
It's this game more importantly than it ever is. They tell you playoff games as they pick up in intensity and importance and against higher competition, the trenches become exponentially more important. And I think the Giants will win the trenches rather easily. Yeah, that's, that's a fair point about the Giants offensive line. Um, the Vikings aren't going to send a lot of pressure. At least they haven't this year. Um, they, they did don't... against the Giants in that game, though. They was... sent more blitzes. It was an aberration, more so than they had before, especially early in the game. And they got a jump on the Giants. Yep. But then the Giants made the adjustment and figured it out and finished with like 450 yards of total offense. So how good was that? Exactly. And and you look at what Ed Donatel does. Um, he dialed up blitzes in that game. I think it was a mandate from above. Um, it was after getting – after losing to the Detroit Lions and, and, and getting gashed, you, you need to make adjustments on the fly. And I think that was one of the adjustments. And, and Kevin O'Connell kind of hinted at that ahead of that Christmas Eve game. Um, we'll see. if, if I, I think to get to Daniel Jones, you're going to need to dial up pressure. Um, the Vikings aren't winning consistently enough. Um, Zadarius Smith was, was good early in the season. His pass rush win, win rate um, tops in the league early in the season. He's fallen off. Um, he's got a knee that's been giving him issues. Um, in order to generate pressure this weekend in the trenches, um, the Vikings aren't going to win their one-on-one -on -one matchups. They're going to need it. I wonder win. not only how much are they nicked up, but how gassed are they? Remember, they had to play their guys last weekend. That's true. That's that's true. And, and that maybe you'll see that in the second half of the game, um, which team had a second bye week, as you called it, Paul. Uh, the Giants did. The Vikings did not. I, I think that could could play a role I'm um, kind of down the road in, in this game. So you say the Giants win if they dominate the trenches. Um, the counterpoint, obviously, naturally, the Giants lose if they blank. Uh, if they give up explosive plays, because Jefferson and Hawkinson and Osborne and Thielen, let's not kid ourselves. Those guys are extremely talented. The weaponry that the Vikings present on offense is terrific, which is why you have to cut off the head of the snake. Mm -hmm. You've got to punish Kirk Cousins to make sure that he is not comfortable and that he can't get the ball into the hands of those guys so that they can make big plays. I mean, it's no secret. You get the ball to Jefferson. He, If he's able to get room, it's a yards after the catch and could be a 60-yard touchdown. I mean, that's, that's it. The Giants need to contain the explosive plays, and by doing so, is dominating the line of scrimmage. I, I might add a 1A to that, and that would be special teams. Yeah. The Giants' special teams have been inconsistent all year, and if not every week, every other week, they seem to give up a very big return that just costs them serious field position. And their return game in specials has really been very pedestrian. So the Vikings should be able to tilt the field on special teams, and, of course, they've already got that block punt that led to the short field and a touchdown in the game last month. So my 1A has got to be the Vikings dominate on special teams. That would be another path to victory for them. For sure. Paul, how do you feel about Daniel Jones heading into this week? Um, what's his, what's the, what's the internal confidence level in him um, within the, the organization? And, and how do you think he's handling um, the pressure this week of, of starting a playoff game? I, I think he's going to be fine. Um, you'll recall that in the last game against Minnesota, despite the loud drums and the horns and the skull chants and everything else, mm -hmm. down eight points, 
Daniel Jones took the Giants 75 yards in 59 seconds and called the right running play on the on the option that he was given at the line of scrimmage on a fourth and two, handed it to Barkley on a draw, 27-yard touchdown, and then on a rollout found Daniel Bellinger in the back of the end zone for the two-point conversion to tie the game that quieted that stadium so that you could hear a pin drop. Mm -hmm. I'm not worried about Daniel Jones. For sure. Who is an X factor in in, in this game? Uh, the, the player that stood out to me that popped off the screen Christmas Eve, um, I only know about this guy because I, I know how you feel about fantasy football, Paul. But I only know about this guy because of fantasy football implications. Isaiah Hodgins had no idea who that guy was a month and a half ago, two months ago. He seems to be someone who, who's become a reliable target for, for Daniel Jones. That's someone who who I'm trying to focus on heading into this week. Like, how, how do you kind of make sure that guy doesn't beat you? Does he fit the mold of an X factor, or is there someone else in mind that, that, that you can think of? Well, he's a starting wide receiver and has been a go-to guy over the last third of the season for yeah. sure. So I don't know if he's an X factor because he's a regular standard part of the Giants' offense. You know, he's he's a guy who can play any of the three receiver positions. Sure. He's got height coming out of Oregon State. Giants picked him up midseason from the Bills when he was cut. Has really good hands. Runs really good routes. You know, he's like a bigger version of Thielen, yeah. to be honest, except he probably gets a little bit deeper. Um, how? What would I say? X-Factor. I'll give you a really good X-Factor. Landon Collins on defense for the Giants, yep. who who is, you know, after joining the team in October, he was a veteran free agent coming back for a second stint with the team. They signed him to the practice squad, used up his three uh, practice squad elevations, and then they signed him to the regular 53. He's been playing more and more of the sub-package linebacker role, the hybrid role, if you will. And I want to say he's played, what, six games, I believe, now this year. I think three as part of the 53 and three as part of the activations. I may be off. It may be five. But my point is to you that in four of those games, he has made a significant defensive play. He's savvy. He's a sound tackler. He's a very emotional player who raises the level of everybody else on the unit when they're on the field. I mean, he made a tackle on Jefferson uh, in the fourth quarter. You guys may remember it. It was a wide receiver screen to the left side. And he looked like he was shot out of a cannon, horizontal, yep. and absolutely pancaked Jefferson with a picture-perfect tackle. Outside of a, a sack, to me, that was the Giants' tackle of the year. And I truly believe that Landon Collins is going to make a big play in this game. For sure. Name to keep an eye on, for sure. Obviously, Landon Collins, I think, is a name people know, um, but I well, he's the it, only it, giant active who was on their 2016 playoff team as well. Yeah, so but it's it's nice to see him kind of resurging um, this year um, as kind of that veteran leader um, after after getting picked up mid season. Paul, who uh, just the prediction? Who wins this game? Um, I'll I'll kind of let you leave on that. Um, what is your prediction for this weekend? 
um, when the Vikings host the Giants at 3.30 in Minneapolis. Yeah, I think what you'll see on the scoreboard is a close game. Uh, Giants probably with uh, a field goal lead, either at the end of the third quarter or early in the fourth. And then the Giants will put the hammer down. As I say, I think the rest helped them a lot. I think they'll be the stronger team in the fourth quarter. I think they will win the fourth quarter and probably go on a touchdown drive that seals the deal. There you have it. Paul Dottino predicting a Giants win Sunday at U.S. Bank Stadium. Uh, Paul, thank you so much for joining us. This has been great. We always love your insight. Um, I, I'm sure the Vikings fans are listening to this podcast do not love your prediction, uh, but the, the banter, the back and forth, um, it's been great. And um, can't wait to, to, to meet this weekend. Um, I will obviously be at the game. You'll be at the game. Hopefully we can kind of get up, shake hands, and just really appreciate you joining us twice in the past month. Uh, very, very glad to be with you. Thank you so much. And don't forget, any Giant fans out in Minnesota, you can always catch me on the Odyssey app as well at One Giant Step with Sean Marash, my partner. Perfect. There you have it. Paul Dottino. Um, when we come back, we'll do a little purple prop party. Then we'll get out of here. Um, let you all get ready, prepared for Sunday afternoon. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani. want to thank Paul Dottino once more um, before we kind of dive into purple prop party. The guy's hilarious. He's been doing it forever. Um, and, and just a good voice of the Giants to kind of bring on to this show and, and, and kind of talk about you know, the intricacies of that team. Um, he's obviously been doing it a long time. So I think his his insight is worthwhile, especially heading into a playoff matchup between these two teams. Speaking of that playoff matchup, it's time for Purple Prop Party. The Vikings host the Giants this weekend, as we've said 25 times on this podcast already. Uh, they host the Giants at a 340 central kick. Um, I said 330 with, with the timing and commercials and network in the playoffs. It's actually going to be a 340 central kick, 440 Eastern. Uh, Minnesota minus three in that game, over-under set at 48, 48 even. The over-under stands out to me um, right away because I, I, I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. Um, I think the over, it, it, no question. Um, we'll get into the spread uh, in a second, uh, but I think if the Christmas Eve game proved anything, um, it's that the Vikings are going to be able to move on, on this Giants defense. Um, and likewise, the Giants offense is going to be able to move on this Vikings defense. Um, I expect more, more, more explosive plays. I know things tighten up in the playoffs, but you know, I think the focus of, of both these offenses is going to be immense this week. So 48, that seems a bit low for, for a team that scores like the Vikings do. Um, and, and I think the Giants are going to keep it close all game. So, I'm smashing the over on 48. Now let's talk about the spread. Vikings minus three. As we've talked about many times this season, two, three, that's the points you give to the home team. If you're a home team hosting, you normally get two, sometimes three. So the fact that the Vikings are minus three right now, I think means that Vegas sees this game essentially as the Vikings and the Giants are the same. Um, throw records out the window. I know it's a cliche, but in the playoffs, you effectively can. Um, the Vikings is the three seed hosting the, the, the Giants as the six seed. Um, 
who cares about the records? Um, I think these teams are very, very even. I think Vegas sees them as very, very even too. So the Vikings at minus three. Paul thinks that they, the Giants are going to win. So if you're a betting man and you like what Paul had to say, go ahead and take the Giants money line. You're going to get some plus money there. Me personally, though, I think the, the Vikings cover this spread this weekend. I think they win the game. I think they're just better than the Giants. I think they have better players. I think the coaching is comparable. Um, I think it's that's a, that's a cool wrinkle of this game. Kevin O'Connell in his first year, Brian Dable in his first year, um, both having phenomenal seasons in their first year at the helm, um, kind of going up against each other. I'm not sure anyone has the edge in, in the coaching department. I think both of those guys have been spectacular this year. But I think the cream rises to the top in, in the playoffs. I think the Vikings are more talented. They have more superstar game-breaking players. They have Justin Jefferson, who is not a quarterback, so he will not win MVP. But if there's any player that is, that is worthy of that award this year, it's Justin Jefferson. The Vikings had the best player on the field this weekend. They have a bunch of talent elsewhere. Uh, I think they win the game. I think they cover the spread. Um, but I do think it's going to be close. Um, I think Vikings fans are going to be grinding this one out. Um, luckily for them, they've been grinding out pretty much every win this year, 11-0 um, and 0 in, in one-score games. Our prop bet, player purple prop party. So we have a player prop bet once a week. Um, if you're a, a loyal listener, you know that I'm just going to roll with Justin Jefferson again. Um, it became a bit earlier this season. Um, we've kind of kept up with it, and we're going to obviously keep up with it in the playoffs. Justin Jefferson receiving yards, your player prop bet. This comes from Jeff, DraftKings. Um, me and, and producer Spencer always kind of play this game before we we hop onto this uh, in, into Purple Prop Party, and we guess, like, what what's the receiving yards going to be at this week? It always hovers around 90. Um, sometimes Spencer is right. Sometimes Spencer is wrong. Today he was wrong, but he was only wrong by a yard. Um, this week, Justin Jefferson receiving yards over under 91 and a half. If you recall, Christmas Eve, Justin Jefferson lit up the Giants. Um, he was the best player on the field. I expect him to be the best player on the field again this week. 91 and a half, that's always a pretty good fair line um, just because it's it's right near 100, and, and Justin Jefferson's always going to be flirting with that number. Um, but I, I think 91 and a half, I'm picking the Vikings to win the game. I think they only win the game if Justin Jefferson has a big one. Um, I, I know Paul just talked about how the Giants are getting reinforcements in their in, in their secondary with the Dory Jackson maybe making his return, Xavier McKinney making his return. I don't think it's enough. Um, I think Jair Alexander is one of the more physical corners in the league for Green Bay, and 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 his physicality at the line of scrimmage coupled with rolling a safety over the top that was a, an effective way to take. Justin Jefferson out of the game in week 17. I don't think the Giants have anyone quite as physical in their secondary. I also think give Kevin O'Connell, give Justin Jefferson, give that Vikings offense, Wes Phillips, Kirk Cousins, Adam Thielen, TJ Hawkinson, give them a couple of weeks um, removed from that Green Bay game. And, and I don't think anyone's going to be able to kind of do what Green Bay did um, to Justin Jefferson again. Long-windedly, that's my way of saying Justin Jefferson's going to go over 91 and a half yards this weekend. Uh, 91 and a half receiving yards. Take the over for Justin Jefferson. There you have it. It's Thursday afternoon. Um, this thing will be out 
This podcast will drop Thursday mid-afternoon. You can listen to it all day, all day Friday, all day Saturday um, in, in preparation for the game on Sunday. Um, Sunday afternoon at U.S. Bank Stadium, the Vikings playoff pursuit begins against the Giants. Um, we will be back Sunday, me and Tom Schreier, to break it all down. Be a late podcast because of the 340 start. Um, we'll see. Are we talking about a happy team that's moving on to the second round? Or are we talking about a sad team that proved to be frauds once and for all? Um, we will find out Sunday. Can't wait. I'm sure you guys can't either. Um, thank you always for listening. Um, you can follow us inside Purple and Gold anywhere you get your podcast. Give us a rating. Give us a review too. That will help. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy your weekend. Good luck Sunday. We'll talk then. I'm Dane Mizutani signing off. Twenty Four Hundred Sports is an Odyssey company.